Dr. Williams mentioned that I was a pastor. Can you believe that? In North Carolina. I don't know how I got through that, but somehow the Lord helped me. Um, and when we lived there, our kids were small, and we had more kids. And uh, we used to go up to the mountains. We lived in uh, kind of in the foothills of the Appalachians. So we would go up there in the summer and where it was cool and enjoy those mountains. And one of the things we did was we went to this little theme park up there near Boone, North Carolina, called Tweetsie Railroad. And it was a little rides and stuff for little kids. It was pretty cool, built around this railroad, this uh, old train that would come through. Anybody been to Tweetsie? Yay, there's one. See that hand? Uh, so one thing I remember about it was somebody else who was there. There was this little boy, and there was one ride where you get in this tiny little car, and you go around this track. And for little dudes, that's a lot of fun. You know, I'm driving. You know. So unfortunately, he had the first time to go with his brother, his big brother. And so his big brother got to drive around this little track. And of course, your steering doesn't make any difference. You've seen these things? It's just following a track, uh, like a railroad kind of. The car's not going to come off the track. <clears throat> the whole time, this little boy's in the passenger seat just oh, crying and whining. And he, he wanted to drive. He didn't get to drive. So we went off and did something else, came back by that same ride, and I saw this little guy, and he was driving this time. He got to drive. They went through the line. And, went. and you should have seen, I have never seen a more grim, determined driver in my whole life. He took this so seriously. I'm driving. Even though nothing happened when he turned the steering wheel. And it sort of it, it struck me, and I thought, you know, that's how we are as human beings, even as Christians. <clears throat> we don't get what we want or what we think we need, and what do we do? We cry and whine and bellyache. And then when we do get it, we take it so seriously as if it all is up to us that we can't even enjoy it. That's a tendency that I think I could see in my own life. Uh, so I want us to think about today, what's the alternative to that? That's sort of a childish way of looking at the world. And it's to always just ask God for what I need. Ask God. Wait upon Him. That uh, in the Old Testament verse that says, delight thyself also in the Lord, he will give you the delights of your heart. Let him provide you with what you need. So that's the basic idea here. And we're going to look at uh, Matthew chapter 7 and verses 7 through 12. And Jesus uh, tells us to ask. 
Matthew 7, 7 through 12. Sometimes we, uh, have you ever gotten into this mode where you're uh, feeling sorry for yourself? Anybody? You know, maybe this morning, I don't know. Uh, nobody knows, you know that, that old song, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows, and, but it's a good song. But Jesus, don't forget. But nobody, nobody really knows about me and cares about me. We can get into that, that mode or that sort of uh, cycle and uh, feel sorry for ourselves. But we don't have to. And that's why Jesus came all the way down to the earth to tell us this. Ask your heavenly Father. Because he cares about you. So that's what we want to uh, talk about today. Matthew 7, 7 through 12. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the law and the prophets. So we've got a very simple idea here. Ask God for what you need. Now, as Christians, this could be sort of a way of life, couldn't it? I have a need. I have an anxiety. I have anything. There's there's really no qualifications to this. Ask, he's saying. He didn't say ask except for this thing. You know, this is the thing you've got to do yourself or that God doesn't want to involve himself in. No. Ask, and it shall be given you. So ask God for what you need. And I think we're going to see three reasons, three motivations that will say to us, hey, this is a good idea. Why don't I just do this? Why don't I have this as the way I live my life? Instead of worrying about things, instead of casting about to see who can help me in this world, why don't I ask my Father in heaven? Uh, so ask God for what you need because, first of all, He's able to provide it. In the, in the Sermon on the Mount here, He goes through this whole thing in chapter 6 about why are you so worried? God will provide for you. He takes care of the birds and the flowers. You don't have to worry. He's going to give you what you need. He can do it. He made it. So there's that simple idea. God can provide what you need. Uh, If you were to go, if some guy came to you on the street of Bennington, you're just walking around, and some guy comes up and says, hey, what do you want? What do you need? You would think he was nuts, right? Especially if it was that guy that, have you seen this guy out there? I'm hungry. Have you seen that guy? He's an interesting guy. 
He's hungry, but he, he's kind of chubby. Anyway, if somebody comes up, <laughs> if somebody comes up to you and says, "Hey, what do you want?" You would think, "Well, whatever I want, you're not going to be able to give it to me." But God can. And God sent His Son all the way down to say, "Hey, ask, seek, knock. Go to God." And the problem is, is that we often just don't, don't do we? We think we've got to figure it out, or I've got to uh, provide for myself, this, that, the other. I've got to go into debt to get whatever I need, all kinds of things. I've got to manipulate other people so they like me. I mean, this is going to be a long list, right? And Jesus is just saying, ask. Make your request known to God, says Philippians. So, he's really the only reliable source for every need that I have. I don't think there's anything that uh, is excluded from this. And, of course, it means here, the, the meaning, the idea is keep on asking God. Keep on seeking him. So that that's a way of life. It's what I keep doing. So it involves patience on my part because I want God's answer, not someone else's answer, not my own limited uh, brain answer, not my, my little view of life answer, but God's answer. It's often so much better than what I had in mind anyway. So he's able to provide it. He can do it. Um, it says over here in verse uh, in uh, chapter six, verse eight. He's talking about prayer. Don't be like the Gentiles and pray like them, uh, with many words and all these things, and in public. But he says, so don't, don't do not be like them in verse eight. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So there's this idea. I'm asking for things that I think I need. But whose knowledge about this should I trust the most, mine or God's? Thus, what does that do? It builds into me a patience to get God's answer. Thus, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Don't preempt God and say, well, this is good enough. Wait for his answer. He's able to provide and wants to provide the best answer for you. Now, can we do this in all kinds of areas of life? You young people who aren't married, do you need a spouse? Crickets. (laughs) But everybody's thinking, yeah, that'd be cool. God provided me with the best, best wife that's ever lived in the all the history of the world. We can all agree with that, right? But God, a tie. That's good. But God is so good to give us better than what we would even imagine, even in this life, this life under the sun. It's an amazing thing. And you know what? When we wait for God's best, We keep on waiting, asking, letting him 
fulfill it in, in the proper time. It also has the stamp of God's name on it, his imprimatur, his, the fact that this is from me to you, like a gift, like a little tag on the Christmas present. It's one more thing to solidify your relationship with him. Not only is it his best, is it so great, but it says from God to you. If you've ever, uh, I don't know if you've ever read Les Miserables. Did I say that right? Anyway, it's a French novel. And the, the main character is Jean Valjean. And he ends up being a crook because of hard times. And he stops at the, a church and a priest lets him sleep over in the church and but he steals the candlesticks, silver candlesticks, and he gets up early and he leaves, but he gets caught. So they bring him back, the police, to this priest and say, look, he's got the candlesticks. What do you want to do? And the priest says, no, I, I gave those to him. Those are for him. And that changed his life. He became a different person. And he wanted to bless other people like the priest had blessed him. Um, so that letting God give you what God wants to give you is such a special thing because it's from him. I remember my, uh, my older daughter, Sarah, you might have heard this before, but she gave me a little piece of yarn a little piece of green yarn she found somewhere around. She said, here, Dad, this is so you'll remember that I love you. So I took that yarn and I just threw it away, right? No, of course not. Tied that around my keychain and I kept it. It was always there. How, how much value does that yarn have objectively? But to me, because of who it was from. So I lost that piece of yarn one day, and it wasn't too long I noticed after Sarah, I gave her away as a bride to her husband. Isn't that interesting? It was gone. But I always remember that. What a special thing it is to get a gift from God, right? So ask him and let him. Fulfill your request. Uh, he wants to give you good things. That's number two. Number one, he, he can provide it. He's able to provide it. He knows what you need already better than you do. So why not go to him? We flounder around trying to meet our own needs, don't we? And God's there just, you know, I can provide it. Why don't you ask? This is what Jesus told us to do. So he can provide it, but also he wants to give you good gifts. He's waiting just to do that. Um, he says here, What man is there among you when his son 
asks for a loaf, a piece of bread, we'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, what does that mean? Who's not evil, who's completely, utterly good, give good things. Give what is good to those who ask him. It's, such a, it's an amazingly just uh, completely unqualified statement. Who ask him? Who come to him? He wants to give you good gifts. I think about <clears throat> now I'm a grandparent. I have two grandkids, which is way more than one. I doubled it just just recently. I'm really proud. And my, my daughter Sarah has given us both our grandkids. And uh, little Ruby and Charlie, who Charlie is about one year old. And I think about what would Mimi and Gaga not do to give good things to Ruby and Charlie? There's really no exceptions. We, you know, we know what's good for them, just like our Father in heaven, so we wouldn't give them what they don't need or what would be too excessive. But we want so much to bless them and give them good things. And we are fallible. We're sinners. We're, we, we don't understand the things that God does. So how much more does God want to bless us? We know how to give good things to the children, even though we're evil. Uh, so it's the lesser to the greater. It's a, it's a powerful argument. There's not one bit of unholiness or evil in God. He's completely, completely good. And that's how he wants to uh, treat us and be toward us, is that goodness to give those good things. So we know that. So continue to ask him. Uh, and his timing is perfect. So we, we patiently wait. I remember once uh, Becky's dad, my father-in-law, which is always a rather dodgy, sketchy relationship, right? How many of you are best friends with your in-laws? Yahoo! There's one. It does happen. So we all have hope. But anyway, I really came to respect and love, uh, we called him Pops. And one day he said, hey, I want you guys tomorrow to go, and I've arranged with my friends to take you out fishing out in the Pacific, because we were visiting over there in Oregon. We went to the coast. And go pit, uh fish for salmon out in the Pacific. So I was just like, oh, because I had to get up early, had to go out there and fish, which I wasn't used to doing, go out on a boat. I just wasn't that into it. Uh, and they were going to take me and my son, Jonathan. But he was insistent because he was one of those guys he was going to make you have a good time. And he was good at that. He really was. Hey, come on with me on an adventure. We're going to have fun. 
And those people, those people really can be fun, but also irritating. <laughs> so that morning, I was just like, oh, I got to get up and do this. So he come in, hey, guys. And so we did that. Suffered through someone else's plan. But you know what? He was right. That was great. I can say, hey, I've been four miles, miles out into the Pacific Ocean. I was out there somewhere. Which I guess isn't that far, but it was far to me. And we caught some salmon, big old fish. <laughs> and then we came back and we safely skidded onto the sand. We went out in one of those in a little boat called a dory, and they come right up on the beach. And that was a great adventure. I didn't know I needed that adventure. And I'm so glad now. Even though to me, it didn't seem like what I really wanted. But I found out that he, he really did know better. And that's how God does for us. Sometimes it's not even the things, the way things turn out that we want, but we're really glad because we trusted God. And we might have even, in our own minds, suffered through something, but it was all worth it. So those good things are from God, too. He wants, he desires to give us good things. He knows what we really need, so we can trust him in that. Keep on asking. Also, finally, God's able to provide it. He wants to bless you with good things. And then finally, ask God for what you need so that you can be, so that you can bless others. So we have a therefore here in verse 12, and everything therefore, which means it points back to the context. Ask God for what you need, therefore, and everything, treat people the same way you want them to treat you, for this is the law and the prophets. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. How would you have others do unto you? Probably very much like what he just said in verse 11, to give good gifts to you, to do good for you, to bless you, all right? So therefore, if I'm all set with God, if I said God's going to meet my need, then I'm not spinning my wheels and spending a lot of time on my own need, what do I have time to do? Help be a blessing to meet somebody else's need. Be an answer to their prayer to the Father, perhaps, to bless them, to minister to them. Because I'm not trying to get them to bless me somehow, to control them in some way, to do what I want, etc., etc. So there's such a freedom in this and saying, you know, God's going to meet my needs. I can trust that. And therefore, I can now, I've got to have the power to be a blessing to somebody else. As Jesus said, I, I do what I see the Father doing. Uh, and treat somebody else like I'd want to be treated. If you walk into a room and there's a bunch of people talking, blah, 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 
and they all turn around and you walk in and then they, what does that make you feel like? How do you want to be treated when you walk into a room? Hey, there he is. Norm, remember that show? Hey. So there's something really simple we could do for people. Accept them and greet them. Uh, welcome them. And we can think of all sorts of other ways that we can bless people. We do that all the time. This school takes care of everybody, and in church, there's so many good things happening. And it's, it's often because we have the freedom, because if we're not burdened from down in our own worry and the stew of our own selfishness, and we can see how I'd want to treat my other, my brother or my sister, treat them how I'd want to be treated, which is just like this, to give good things to those who ask and to be a blessing. So ask God for what you need so that you can bless other people, which is just overwhelming multiplication of a blessing to you to be a blessing in God's program, in his economy. And there it goes. It just builds and builds and builds. And God's grace is shed upon all of us. Because, just like a child, we came to him and we said, Lord, I need this. And I want to wait for your answer in your timing. So I'm going to just keep on asking. Keep on going to you. See, that's what I would want my grandkids to do. If they're there and their toy is broken or something, or when, I was, when my kids were home, what do I want them to do? Just scream and yell? I'm sitting right there. It's a little toy. I could probably fix it. Questionable, but I probably could. <laughs> do I want them to come to me, Daddy, and bring their broken toy? Yes. I could do what seems like a miracle to you. Fix this toy. There you go. And they're all happy. That's God's heart. He wants to do that. To cement that relationship. To bless us. But if we go off and moan and groan and get mad, we miss that. We miss that blessing that God wants to give us. So... Ask God for what you need. Just keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Um, Don't take it upon yourself to be your own God and provider because you already have one. Uh, There's a a movie that's kind of a a funny, quirky movie called Waterworld, and I've, I've mentioned this in class. So some of you have already heard me talk about this, but... It's a world where the ocean is everywhere and there's like maybe one little island. Anybody ever seen this movie? Anyway, Waterworld. It's a weird movie. It's a dystopian sort of a thing, fantasy. And so everybody's out wandering in the ocean on boats, old boats that they've cobbled together. And there's one guy, Kevin Costner, and I don't remember his real name in the movie, But he has been out there so long and been in the water so long that he's developed gills. So he's a fish man. Okay? 
You gotta suspend reality for the stories, right? So, fish man is going along in his boat, and he finds this poor lady with her daughter, and they're in stress, distress, and, and he helps them. He says, come on my boat. So they're on his boat for a while, and the mean villain people <coughs> are there with their big giant tanker, and they have these old uh, sea doos or whatever. What do you call those things? Uh, what? Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. Jet skis, yeah. They're running around being evil. And so this little girl has a map on her back showing where the land is. Everybody wants to get to land. So they capture her, and they put her in a little cage, and the chief evil guy's driving his big tanker. It's all rusted out. And she's there in the cage, right, in the same room with him. And, he, and she says about the fish man, he's coming. And she's saying, he's coming to rescue me. You're going to be sorry. He's coming. Now, she could have been in that cage in the evil man's boat, his lair, so to speak, and said, oh, why didn't the fish man save me? Why didn't he help me? I'm in such a bad situation. Where's my mommy? And moan and groan. But she didn't. You know why? Because she trusted in the fish man. She knew his character. She knew he was going to come and make things right. She waited for the fish man's timing. Are you getting this? <laughs> and she even declared her faith to the evil man. He's coming and you're going to be sorry. That scene always struck me as an illustration of faith. Because one of the main beliefs that we have is the Messiah man is coming. He's coming. We're waiting for him in a fallen world. And in the meantime, he's already promised to never leave us or forsake us and tells us to ask for what we need in the meantime. And he'll provide it. So let's declare our faith and live our lives that way. Ask God for what you need. And make that a witness to this old world. That the Messiah is coming. And he's going to make it all right. You want to see evidence of that? Look what he's done in my life. And so not only am I strengthening my relationship to him. But I'm declaring my faith in the good God. And in his son. By living in that way. Let's close with a prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. <clears throat> thank you for your message to us. Thank you for coming, becoming one of us, speaking to us the wisdom from above. Lord, reminding us that our Father in heaven knows what we need even before we ask, that he has the best in mind for us. He's already 
without any doubt, given us what is best, and that is his son. And we thank you for all the blessings that we have in Christ already. And that he'll provide for us as we live this life. Help us to, to declare <clears throat> our faith to the world in words and in the way we live by depending upon you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.